What is up, guys? Welcome to episode 41 of the Triage Method podcast. Today, we're going to be talking about words, which is obviously very exciting for all of you personal trainers and trainees and exercise scientists and physios and everyone that's interested in all this sort of stuff that we generally talk about. So this is going to be a different one. But before we get anywhere, Paddy, are you fantastic this week? I'm absolutely superb this week. Oh, shit. <clears throat> Thought I'd switch it up, you know? Fair. Yeah. It, I'm in the middle of exams. It's uh, still too easy. Uh, we missed out recording on the weekend because I think you were off having fun and I had to study and stuff. So <laughs> it's now Tuesday. Um, but hopefully we'll have this up today. And um, even though I have exams to study for, um, and you're ruining it for me, Gary, but look, it's still too easy. I've actually, I've actually got my theory test today. <laughs> that's that's Tw- actually cute. I know. I'm hoping you're going to pass. pass. I started practicing this morning. And my theory, sister also has her. Theory test. Yeah, don't worry about your theory test. That's grand. Yeah. I started practicing this morning. Like, so I'm just, you know, got to remember like fucking all this bullshit, but be grand, like, but sure, look, other than that, other than that, life's good, I'm done, almost Christmas, sound, so, from there, what we're going to talk about is words, all right, and that's a, that's a bit of a weird topic for us to be talking about, considering we're generally talking about, like, I don't know, muscles and training and eating and all this sort of stuff, but I think as personal trainers or fitness professionals or whoever you are listening to this, you need to recognize the 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 way in which like you interpret the world and that sounds a bit like fucking out there woo woo like but it's actually really really important you know so you know everyone heard that old that that phrase when you were a kid like sticks and stones may break my bones but words will never hurt me however that's actually not really true like words actually can significantly hurt you and i'm not just talking in in a way that like we should all be offended by what everyone else says like that's not it at all but rather that the words that are used especially in encounters between like healthcare professionals and patients or you know personal trainers and their clients can actually determine the outcome you know or even the effectiveness of a treatment so that's the that's the reason that this is actually so important because you know we are we are always talking about things like you know thinking about life as being too easy and you know that's that's just a phrase to most people however framing things in that way actually has you know effects that are beyond just the words themselves because Words are not just like letters put together in a certain order. Like they have certain meaning that is affected not just by the way you learned them in school, but also by, you know, how they're perceived in the general culture in which you live in, you know. So so you're you're essentially extracting meaning from the world around you to interpret these words when they're used um, as opposed to just viewing them as single isolated things. So this is something that I talk to about talk to a lot of my clients about especially when they're experiencing pain, because pain is something that actually varies, you know, among individuals for for the same problems all of the time. But in particular, when we talk about the use of language, like a lot of people can determine pain differently from other people. So pain to you is not necessarily what pain is to me, because we could have been brought up in different places, pain could have meant different things, you may have had different painful exposures to me in the past. And as a result, we can't necessarily think of it as a thing. And hence, that's kind of where this discussion of language um, comes to fruition. So we're not just going to be talking about pain, we want to talk about, you know, pain, fatigue, even nutrition, your general approach to life, and all things like that. So that sort of forms the basis of the conversation. But Paddy, (coughs) what why this type of conversation is important 
Yeah, so it, it is one of these things where you can easily get off or get sidetracked in the the woo woo and wishy washy stuff and the what, what what would you call it the kind of millennial uh, thought process of yeah. words like physically hurting you and like you're absolutely triggered and you're shaking right now because of simple words you know and like you can very much get into that that thought process but that's actually not what we're saying right and it, it it's actually really funny because especially in western culture right now we've gotten away from what would you call like traditional i don't know what you call it mysticism religions spiritualism whatever the fuck and you know you can argue the the merits of that and the demerits of it but one thing that was always revered throughout history was the spoken word right and and words in general like you you can see it all the time like even in our our myths and our you know even creation myths and uh like the, the cultural myths you have in your country you'll you'll always see like say like the the wizards and the witches they will speak words and they'll utter an incantation and they'll curse you you know uh, or give you a blessing and it, it's just simply words right and you'll also see that throughout history the the spoken word or the ability to speak eloquently in a whatever you want to call it a, a well thought out and well put manner is a powerful thing, you know, like Hitler rose to power purely on his oratory skills. Now, obviously there's a huge amount of other things that went into that, but it was his ability to speak and thus connect with the, the population at large that led to his rise, you know, and you can see as well in the, the, the cultural myths, it's like, you know, and God said, let there be light. And there was light. Like that was, God said, you know, it was words that brought about this reality. And uh, as a culture, we've kind of grown disconnected from that. Like we read, we read that or listen to those myths or, you know, whatever. And we kind of just go, oh, that's obviously just a, a representation. You know, that's just, you know, putting it into a way that people could understand. Like we, we rationalize it and we reduce it down to purely factual things and this is something like you know someone like sam harris does like he looks at things as if they are 100 percent factual like that what that was written that purely meant that factual statement that he spoke words and reality came to being from those spoken words <clears throat> and you have to look at it like people that were writing these books making these myths and stuff that they were smarter than you give them credit for in terms of they were expressing something that was deeply rooted in psychology or whatever you want to call it, human psychology, because words are actually very powerful. Words are actually what made humans human, right? Because you think of it like other animals can communicate clearly, you know, like they, and they can communicate specifically as well. Right. But the spoken word gives you a huge amount of extra information that other animals aren't actually able to communicate. For example, like you see like uh, certain monkeys, because like certain primates, they're able to make specific calls based on the predator that is around them. You know, like if there's a, a lion or a tiger or something, there's a specific call for that. Whereas if there's a, a bird of prey, there's a specific call for that, you know? And there is a, this like everyone always gives out a bit like, you know, troll culture or whatever, but 
that was that's even in primates like literally some uh, male delinquents and stuff will literally make calls of like oh there's a tiger just so they can hear see everyone scurry away so it's like like they they they, they do troll each other in that society as well <laughs> but like they, they can give that specific call right but humans can go much further than that <clears throat> because it it's irrelevant to you as a pack of primates or whatever a pride i don't know what they're called i can't remember uh but it's irrelevant to you to come back to your your society your group and scream tiger when you actually saw the tiger two miles down by the river you know like why are you screaming there's a tiger there's no danger present at the moment you know so it's irrelevant for your society however humans develop the ability to speak and communicate in a much more in-depth manner because you can come back from the watering hole and tell your tribe that yeah i actually saw a load of crocodiles down in the watering hole over there you should probably be careful if you are going down there you know so the ability to communicate with words has uniquely shaped humans like profoundly it is what delineates us from the rest of the animal kingdom like as much as people don't want to acknowledge that or rather they acknowledge it but don't really think much deeper into it you know and then it goes back to those kind of creation myths and that mythology like you'll see a lot of it and once you see it once you see these kind of threads that go through all the the myths you will see it commonly like recurring all the time so people will use the spoken word to you know utter an incantation or you know curse someone or you know do magic so like words are magic and that can initially seem like again like that that whole thought process that this is obviously just bullshit and words are clearly not magic they are just vibrations they're just a sound you know like so they clearly no innate magical property to words however the the human psychology has been profoundly shaped by words you know that is literally what makes us different than the the rest of the animal kingdom right so your psychology is deeply influenced by that and this also goes into how curses work like i always think like certain things and this is something that you kind of always rail against gary because you get triggered a lot by words uh but like you always rail against it in terms of the way people talk about pain right they'll have like this fatalistic uh thought process or communication of that pain like they'll say like oh you have a bulging disc like your your spine is degenerated beyond repair like you basically have the spine of a a 90 year old fucking war veteran you know it's like the the way people talk about that is extremely fatalistic because you you'll go to that and go man i'm so fragile now A, a, a breeze could kill me you know so people will have that fatalistic notion and essentially how is that any different than a wizard cursing you and saying you are going to be extremely fragile for the rest of your life how is that different than the medical professional going you are going to be extremely fragile for the rest of your life you know it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy and this is what a lot of those previous you know incantations like whatever you know magic words curses or whatever it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy you know and you see that happen all over all the time you know even in like say the bible as well like you'll see like uh even though you can argue whether this actually did happen or not you know jesus uh was born at a time when i think it was king herod 
could have been wrong. Yeah, I think it was King Herod, you know, ordered that all the, the babies were slaughtered because he was told a prophecy that like words, he was told words that, you know, a, a new king is going to be born and going to topple his whatever, you know. Uh, and so he killed, well, tried to kill all the babies, you know. I could be getting that wrong. But anyway, uh, and uh, like stuff, stuff like that, that becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy because you do that. It was actually a, a, also an Egyptian myth as well, as well, like killing all the firstborn babies and stuff, you know. Uh, but you do that. It becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy because just imagine it. You were told this prophecy that, you know, there's going to be a, bo- a child born and they're going to topple your government, right? So you then go, right, well, I'm going to kill all the children, right? You kill all the children, but then you be cre- create a resentful society who then topples your government, you know? So it's like, like those words became a self-fulfilling prophecy. So were those words magic? Were those words what caused the, the, the end point? Or was it the actions that you took after it? You know, and I, again, I would argue it's the actions you took after it based on those words because, you know, words are magic. So the way you think about your, your pain or the way you think about your anything really in terms of the, the psychology of the stuff that you want to achieve, your lifestyle, your nutrition, all that kind of stuff, like the way you frame it and the way you talk about it does matter a huge amount and the first one we'll kind of deal with is that pain side of things because it's a very easy one to kind of intuitively see but it also applies to you know nutrition lifestyle that kind of stuff and, and the reason the pain one is really easy to see is because pain is an output right and while just reducing it down to an output doesn't tell the whole story it still is a, a factual statement you know like pain isn't inflicted on you Pain is your in response to a stimulus, you know? So if it's your response, you can understand how your thought process and how it has been framed can deeply influence how you experience that. And that's something Gary's going to talk about a little bit more now. Yeah, it's actually funny. We didn't even, we literally planned this podcast five minutes before we started, but you actually just gave me the most perfect segue as if we planned it. But basically you mentioned that analogy of kind of, you know how I rail against the idea of you know using harmful words that really as it relates to pain and how is that different to sort of spiritual or magical beliefs and there's actually a very clear example of how this plays out in the pain literature so if you consider a population like the Australian aboriginals so our kind of biomedical teachings of you know medicine have essentially only infiltrated their culture in the last couple of decades so the biomedical model of, of, of pain or of illness in general is essentially one that is very, that is very, it's focused on isolated things and it kind of originates from, from René Descartes. So it's kind of those Cartesian ideas that are related to pain where you may have seen that, that diagram of, you know, there's, there's generally a guy crouching and he puts his, his finger in the fire. And then what you see is a pain signal going up to the brain and it's kind of this idea that there are pain fibers and pain signals um and pain receptors and all this sort of stuff which which aren't which don't actually exist like that's not the way that that pain works so essentially if we if we think that all of those things wouldn't have actually been taught to the the aboriginals up until very recent times we can look at them as a, a key population to analyze you know how their their how pain and disability has essentially impacted them and one of the ways this played out is Honeyman and Jacobs did a study in 1996 where they went and they essentially surveyed all these people and got them to kind of 
basically just looked at the prevalence of chronic pain um, or chronic chronic low back pain and in different areas as well but yeah so they, they essentially did that and they, they got all these all these you know statistics out of it you know looking at, at the prevalence of pain you know and there was actually a pretty pretty high prevalence of pain but the interesting thing was none of them exhibited the types of illness behaviors or pain behaviors that you'd expect to see in a western society so for example if someone has pain here it's typically associated with some with something being wrong in the back which can kind of you know get them or, or build a lot of fear in the person they're afraid to move you know they've got that kinesiophobia they think they have to protect their back they're scared about the future they have quite catastrophic thoughts towards their pain and towards their body etc and that's essentially the the kind of biome the, the the result of that kind of biomedical reductionism where we tell people that this is what's wrong with you you know it's coming from this specific source and it kind of makes people feel like they need to fix that specific thing before their pain can go away however the the aboriginals are not a population that were essentially aware of those sort of teachings so their idea of pain was more so related to um more so related to spiritual teachings and their kind of their kind of cultural foundation so for example low back pain was associated with very low disability when they looked at that in the 90s so there was they didn't have those illness behaviors however there was a lot of distress and pain behavior that came from neck pain. So when they had pain in the neck, that was severely distressing, severely disabling. And essentially, like what the researchers did was they pointed out that this was tied to a cultural belief that pain in the neck was the result of, you know, deviating from your moral values and that impending doom was was upon you, essentially. So like you were you were fucked pretty much because because of those sort of cultural beliefs. So that sort of belief and that 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 perception of why the pain was there and what was coming for them that was actually leading to significant illness behavior and pain behavior however because the back pain was associated with nothing really it was considered to be relatively benign it wasn't something that really impacted them you know in terms of illness behavior or pain behavior however there's more recent research then in 2013 um from i think the author was lynn i know peter o'sullivan was in the study but anyway irrelevant from 2013, they went back and they kind of studied the Aboriginals again. And basically what they found was that they had all, they suddenly had all of these, you know, types. They were saying all these types of things that we would say in our culture as it relates to pain. So they were all worried about the arthritis that have that had been spotted, about the disc degeneration. They were talking about surgery. They were worried about never being able to go back and play sport and all these sorts of things. And they had very, very high levels of that pain and illness behavior so what you're seeing is that the response and and the the disability that results from pain is significantly different based on those cultural beliefs so that's essentially where the discussion of the the biomedical model and the biopsychosocial model of illness kind of comes into things so as we said that kind of that that cartesian idea kind of prevailed for a couple of hundred years until you know, in the in the, the mid 1900s, and particularly 1977, when it was formalized by George Engel, the biopsychosocial model, and there's three components to that. So there's the biological components, the psychological, compo psychological components, and the social components um, of pain or illness or anything like that. So essentially, you're looking beyond just the specific biology. So you're not just considering, like, let's take, let's say we're looking at like degenerative discs, all right, we're, we're considering disc degeneration, 
we're not just looking at the fact that there are certain degenerative processes that we can see when we take certain scans or whatever, but rather we're looking at, you know, how, how the person's psychology is in general and is affected by that, by, by that sort of, you know, diagnosis or in general. So for example, if someone has, you know, high levels of depression or anxiety, how is that impacting their pain or their health condition in general? So you're looking at the bigger picture and that, and it goes on to the kind of social influences as well. For example, like you can look at it, you can look at it both ways. Like how is the person extracted meaning from their social or, or cultural state? And also, you know, how is their their condition impacting on their ability to integrate into society? So you can kind of look at it in a number of different ways. But essentially, the whole message is that you're looking beyond the tissue or the biomarker, you know, or the blood test, whatever it is. And you're looking at the person as a whole and you're considering all of those influences. So that is why this becomes so important, particularly when we talk about the use of language, because all of you listening to this, or at least a significant proportion of you listening to this, I would imagine consider like the link between pain and tissue damage to be a fairly consistent relationship. However, it's not like it's not at all like there's there's not a one to one relationship there at all in that you can have tissue damage without any pain and you can have pain without any tissue damage. And that's a, a sort of a, a revelation that we're like, we'll go into that in a, in a different podcast because we don't want to get too caught up on the pain stuff for now. But that's something that, that that needs to be realized. So if you think about, all right, if if pain isn't exactly equal to tissue damage, tissue damage, then we have to consider the other things that are impacting on that person that could potentially modify um, their their trajectory into the future after an acute injury, as an example. So if we t- if we take the the use of words as the specific example, then what some how, how you believe pain to come about and how and, and what you believe the trajectory to be in the, into the future is going to be really important so for example if i'm a if i'm a healthcare professional and i take a look at at your you know mri or whatever and i say oh god you've got you know degenerative disc disease you know it's something that's really common in old people so you've kind of got the spine of an 80 year old and you've also got oh you've got this little this little disc herniation here and oh that doesn't look so good you know and you're basically kind of just telling telling this person all this information and from their understanding they don't understand how pain works they don't understand the true significance of these findings and they don't understand you know how how many people in the general population who don't have any symptoms have these these sorts of findings so that's where this becomes important because you essentially extract meaning from all of those words because you have a certain interpretation of them without understanding the full context. And that can essentially go on then to affect your end outcomes. And there's lots of research on this. And like, I mean, if you wanted something short to read, you should look at, you know, a paper in, in JAMA, the journal American medical association, something along those lines, I assume. Um, but it's, it's essentially called the iatrogenic effect of physicians words. And like, Iatrogenesis is the process of someone's health symptoms or condition in general worsening as a result of consultation with a healthcare professional, which is obviously not a good thing. Like you don't want to go to your doctor and get worse. However, it is actually possible because if you go to someone and you get told loads of really like fear mongering information based on your condition, then that can then impact how you feel about that in the future. It can impact your physical activity. 
and the way in which you inter interact in the world, you know, your mood, your anxiety, etc. So all of these things really have to be thought about if we're going to consult with anyone, even if it's just in a personal training capacity. Yeah, and this is one of those things that we have to be clear on what we're actually saying here as well, because it can be very easy to listen to that and think, all right, well, obviously ignorance is bliss then, and I'm never going to interact with a healthcare professional, or if I get pain, I'm basically just going to ignore it, you know, because it can be very easy to have that thought process then once you realize that you're like okay well if pain is an output i'm just going to tell my body not to be in pain you know which again isn't actually what we're suggesting doing it is having a more i'm gonna say logical but realistically i want to say a more or an approach that uses less emotion towards the the actual causality and the actual pain itself you know like you obviously have to listen to your body in terms of the signal that it's giving you you have to interpret that signal and go okay why am i actually feeling that pain is it because oh my doctor said that you know i have the discs degeneration of a fucking 120 year old or was i feeling that pain beforehand because of you know these stressors in my life and because I've increased my training volume and because of I've been lacking in sleep. You know, you have to take that step back, detach from the situation and look at that pain more objectively and try to take the emotion out of it, which is actually really hard to do because, you know, I'd almost argue that pain is an emotion, you know. Uh, so taking the emotion out of it is essentially taking the pain out of it, which is also easy enough to say to, to do, but it's hard to then fully do and extrapolate what you should do then as a result, like if you break your leg, you know, you're going to get certain pain signals. And we're obviously not saying, oh, yeah, just ignore that. Like, that's, that's great. That's great. Like, it's, it'll heal itself. You know, like, that's obviously not what we're saying to do. And that is the same case with some of these more chronic pain things. Yes, obviously, you need to be aware of the, the words you use around that. And you need to be aware of the again, psychosocial type aspects of that. But you obviously still need to be aware of the biological aspect of it. You still need to be aware that like, okay, you've actually got tissue damage here. Now that may be no issue, but that may also be an issue, you know? So you actually have to rely on medical professionals to an extent, which again, you then have to reduce your, your interpretation of their words or how much you listen to their words especially when they are with regard to like uh, the more emotional side of things so Gary how do how do people and I know we're going to do more on this stuff later on but I don't want people to go away from this and just go oh the lads are saying ignore all these fucking medical issues or ignore this this pain because you know it, it, it's an output so how do you get away from like you're experiencing pain you're, you've got some low back pain and we touched on it in the last episode as well but you've got some low back pain how do you not let these magic words affect you while still addressing the pain itself you know yeah so i, I suppose first of all what i want to be very clear is that like the the purpose of this podcast isn't to give you specific medical advice that is going to change the trajectory of like where you go from here with your pain you know that that is not the goal like the goal of this podcast is to give some sort of information that's going to help you to understand kind of the words that we use how, how that might impact things a little bit better but on top of that 
like these things are really complicated as well. We can't reduce it to one podcast in that like if we're going to talk about like chronic pain, like that is not a simple thing. It is not something you get advice on from a podcast. Okay, so do, do not do that. Okay, it's, it's far beyond the scope of this podcast. Um, but yeah, if we're if we also have to kind of be clear on saying on the whole discussion about pain and that like sometimes this can be interpreted um, both by professionals and patients or clients or whatever as pain being all in your head. And like that, again, that like that sort of like what you're essentially doing there is you're dipping into the biopsychosocial model. You're taking some of the information, but then you're kind of reducing it to that sort of biological reductionism again, or body, body, mind dualism reductionism, you could say, where you're kind of saying that the body and the mind are just totally separate things. And that if it's not in your body, then it must be in your head. However, that's not work. That's not how it works. Like you are, you are one organism. Okay. You are one thing. And that, and and that's the way you need to think about this. So regardless of whether the pain, whether whether the pain has more attributes that are related to tissue damage, for example, I just cut your leg off, you know, or whether it's more so related to a, a more complex presentation, like like someone with chronic non-specific low back pain, it's still very real pain that is experienced, you know, so it's not like it's just in that person's head. So that, that's important to kind of tease out. But in terms of I suppose giving people giving you some sort of actionable advice. I I the, the biggest the biggest thing would probably be to to not wince and freak out every time you experience a little bit of pain. Um and I don't mean like literally don't wince as in like don't go ooh or whatever, like whatever sound you make when you're in pain. But I mean to to realize that not everything is a big freak out big deal. You know, for example, some people will, you know, get a little bit of a a little tweak in their knee or in their shoulder or in their back when they're in the gym and they're lifting and they they like freak out because you know they think that that's going to be a big deal and that's especially important for someone who let's say has been lifting for five years and the last time they felt that tweak it actually ended up being a very serious injury and now that's a big problem for them and hence their belief system and their attitude towards that is impacted by that past experience so that's a really important thing to kind of tease out is like, like what, what is your understanding of pain in your past experience? Because that is undoubtedly going to influence your response to any sort of, you know, painful stimulus and that occurs, you know, right now or in the future. So if you, if you have that little tweak in the gym, for example, you have to recognize that most things are not a big deal. Like it's, it's just probably not going to be a problem, you know, and especially when it comes to things like low back pain, like 90% of low back pain presentations are non-specific in nature, meaning that we can't point to a specific structure or cause that is, you know, the cause of your pain, but rather it's, you know, it can be a, 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 the result of multiple factors coming together. So Obviously, there are those special cases where someone, you know, might have, you know, significant fractures in their spine or they can have, you know, red flags that are associated with cancer or other pathologies. And those things, you know, need to be ruled out, which is why it is important to go to a medical professional if you are having, you know, symptoms that you feel need to be dealt with. But in, in general, most cases of low back pain are nonspecific. So, for example, if you are real stressed right now during exam time, you're not sleeping a lot. Um, you're less physically active than you'd normally be, you know, lots of things going on and you experience some low back pain, you have to kind of look at that and consider, all right, there's a lot of these different stressors acting on my body at the moment. And this kind of pain that I'm experiencing 
it's likely to be a response to the fact that I am, you know, quite stressed. And that doesn't just mean psychologically, it just means you as an organism, you know, so you are stressed. Um, and that you essentially are feeling more pain than you normally would. And that's okay. Like, and, and I suppose that's, that's the thing to, to really realize is that you, do, you want to, you want to basically just have a sense of self-efficacy and control over the situation when you do experience pain, because it's that sort of lack of sense of, of control and that lack of self-efficacy and that sort of sense of, of doom, I suppose, that it's going to be a problem that can really kind of make the pain experience quite negative for a lot of people. And, you know, in, in my last video on YouTube, I talked about, in, I was in the gym and I was doing some squats and my back was a little bit sore from doing deadlifts the day before. And, you know, that is okay. Like that was the point I was trying to make that, that that's not a big deal. Whereas a lot of people feel that, you know, if they're, if they're in pain, if they have a little bit of pain, then they obviously need to avoid any sort of loading because that's dangerous. And that's particularly important for like people who are generally not active. Because for example, if you are, if you have a very low level of physical activity and you have pain in a couple of joints and you're avoiding activity because of that pain, then that is just not a good time at all. You know, because we know that physical activity in general is going to be beneficial for your pain and we know that physical activity is important for basically every aspect of health full stop so you're essentially shooting yourself in the foot by using that as a barrier to not engaging in physical activity but having said that most people are doing are making that call based on totally understandable motives because if you don't understand anything about pain since most things that are that are taught and that are generally understood by people are just wrong like if you don't understand pain and you don't understand like what is a significant injury, what is a barrier to physical activity, then of course you're going to be inherently protective of yourself and just avoid, you know, physical activity in the presence of any pain. And obviously that then comes back to like attributes of, of you as a person. Like, I mean, some of you listening to this are probably the type of people that are on the other side of the spectrum where no matter how sore you get or what sort of signs you get that you might be injured, you just push on. You know, so that's the other side of the spectrum. So you want to have a sort of healthy balance in the midline where recognizing that pain isn't necessarily something that you need to freak out about. You can do some simple things to maybe improve the trajectory of that pain. But but you also, you know, want to make sure that you're you're still recognizing when things happen and, and when they might be important. Like for example, if you are running on the pitch and you turn in and your knee just totally collapses and you you, it's very clear all of your ligaments are just popped off. It's like, all right, dude, you you might wanna might wanna deal with that one. <laughs> but yeah, you just want to to be sort of balanced and and like specific advice goes beyond the scope of the podcast. But there, you know, as as we said, you just want to weigh up the general stressors in your life. Consider how those things might have brought you to the point where you are now, and that includes all of your training things. So if you didn't listen to the last podcast, I'd go back and listen to that because, you know, you can make some very simple adjustments in your training without necessarily having to fix anything. And that sort of brings brings me to the final the final point I wanted to make on, on the pain the topic of pain in particular is that you are being played uh, played on social media every single day as it relates to your pain. Okay. So it's very normal for humans throughout the lifespan to experience pain 
in different in different areas it's going to happen you know it's going to happen at sometimes particularly if you're someone that goes to the gym you're going to push it too hard sometimes you'll experience a little bit of pain you're going to be really stressed sometimes you're, you're not going to be sleeping well sometimes you know there's going to be a lot of different things that could predispose you to having some sort of pain at different times and that's fine but what people on social media often do is they present you with false problems to sell you their solution to your false problems so for example if we take something like posture then what a lot of what a lot of businesses do and and a lot of like specific instagram pages they'll point out some specific attribute of your posture that is leading to your pain and then they'll try and sell you or just provide you with a solution to fix that and then you you end up with all these ideas that these things are wrong with you which further pushes you down that path of not having that internal locus of control or sense of self-efficacy because you no longer feel like you are actually you know really in control of yourself and that you know you're you're doing well because suddenly you've been pointed out that you have all these misalignments and like muscle imbalances that are that are like a, a death sentence of sorts so i mean that like that that's the, that's one of the dangers of social media like you see this on lots and lots of physio pages for example like there was there's there was one post i saw that was if you sleep if you sleep on your stomach then you should have your a pillow under your pelvis because if your back is arched then you're going to be in pain and you know you've got this arrow or this tick over one over one type of posture you've got an x over the other and essentially that all feeds into the types of things that we were talking about as it relates to words because if we put those things on social media and we tell people about all these different problems then there's a very significant chance that lots of the audience are going to have these problems which is great because you get loads of followers but it also means that you were inflicting that sort of sense of vulnerability or sense of flaw i guess um on that person and again that can further impact how they essentially think about their body their pain etc going into the future so it's a it's a thing like yeah, it's a it thing. is a really a really strange one because like again we have this i actually think it's really strange the way we we think of the human organism because we have this romanticized view of humanity you know and we have this inherently reductionist postulate right in terms of like we go oh even our uh, our education system does it. it's like oh you're a psychologist you even like the medical system it's like you are a specialist in i don't know fucking livers kidneys lungs whatever it is you know you, you, you specialize right and again that brings huge advantages right because obviously you can't know everything and if you are only responsible for knowing like everything with the the kidney that's a much easier job than knowing everything full stop you know so you can understand how you get this really reductionist thought process right but then i don't understand how people especially psychologists continue to have reductionist thought processes because their whole argument is we are individuals you know if you're if you're divisible and you can be reduced down to effectively the sum of your parts you're not an individual you are divisible so you're not indivisible you know so it's one of those things that i kind of like in my head i'm like how did we even get here as a society in terms of thinking this way but then obviously you have to realize that yeah specialization does give you inherently more knowledge you know so I always think it's a really tricky one, especially if you're just a personal trainer or I say just a personal trainer. Like I think personal trainers are frontline healthcare providers, but if you're a personal trainer, uh, 
it can be very hard to know everything. And especially if someone's coming to you and they have something like uh, low back pain and you, you don't have enough knowledge in terms of everything. You can't be uh, completely up to date on the, the psychology research. You can't be completely up to date on, you know, the, the physiotherapy research. You can't be completely up to date on the strength and conditioning research. And you can't be completely up to date on the nutrition research, you know, or the, biopharmaceuticals or bionutraceuticals or whatever research that you could potentially use to quote unquote treat that pain, you know? So it's like, how, how do you actually go about helping that individual, you know, or even helping yourself if you are that individual and it is an extremely hard thing to do. And again, that's why we're going to go into more in depth with some of this psychology kind of stuff. I suppose you'd call this psychology. Uh, but to go more in depth into it because it is something that is very hard to interpret and very hard to get rid of the fluff and actually talk, I suppose, common sense, you know? Uh, however, if you just realize that your goal, whether you are a doctor, uh, a personal trainer, uh, an individual, just talking to another individual, the first goal is to do no harm. Right. And I think if you at least monitor the words that you are using with regard to pain, with regard to lifestyle choices, with regard to, you know, everything in this health and fitness sphere or whatever category you want to say what we do is, uh, if you just at least monitor the words you're using and think about the emotion behind those words, I think you're, you're in a good place, right? And obviously we've been talking about pain, but this does obviously relate to everything else as we said so think about it like when Gary was just asking me there about my exams and stuff I, I literally was like it's too easy right and again that mentality becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy you know it, it becomes a prophecy where you go it's too easy so you set yourself up in a way that things become too easy but just like with the the the, the pain stuff you know that doesn't mean that you are completely absolved of effort you know so just like with the pain stuff like going oh i'm not in pain when you quite clearly are in pain like there, there's obviously an issue there right so the same with the, the too easy mentality you know you can say it's too easy and you can feel that and you can think that but if you do no work it's going to be too hard <laughs> you know so you, you still have to <laughs> do the things it's not just, again, an either or argument. It's not just the psychology stuff. It's not just, you know, thinking a certain way and using certain, you know, magic incantations, magic words to portray that thought process. It's, it's not just that. It is also the other stuff that goes along with that, you know. So this, again, applies to the lifestyle you essentially live. You know, if you have the mentality of, oh, it's too easy things become too easy because you're going into them with a more optimistic mindset, you know, rather than like a fatalistic mindset, just like with the pain stuff. You know, if you go into it with an optimistic mindset and be like, yeah, I have a bit of back pain and I'm optimistic that I'm going to get over this and I'm going to get back to training quite quickly and quite easily. It's not going to be a long-term issue, blah, blah, blah. Whether if you have that fatalistic 
you know, thought process where you're on, oh, this is going to be, this is the end of my career. This is the end of my sporting career. This is, you know, I'm never going to be able to pick up my child anymore. Like if you go into it with that mentality, either or mentality, those are completely two different outcomes as a result, you know? And again, that applies to your lifestyle. It also applies to your nutrition, right? If you go into a diet thinking, oh, this is going to be extremely hard because all your previous experiences with dieting were extremely hard, the diet is going to be extremely hard. It's going to be a self-fulfilling prophecy, you know? So that mentality that you go into things does make a huge difference. But again, with the diet, with the pain, with the lifestyle stuff, if you go into a diet and you are in a fucking 2000 calorie deficit and you're eating 800 calories per day, just because you think it's too easy, it's still going to be too fucking hard. You know, like it's not just your thought process. You still have to have the, 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 the background work in place, you know, like, so it's not just a mentality because I think a lot of people get into that thought process that, oh, if I just get my mentality down, then everything else will become easy. You know, and it, it, it fails to address all the other aspects that go into it. And I think the diet and the pain one is really easy to see. Because again, with the pain, like if you just ignore the pain, when clearly there's a bone sticking out of your shin, like it's not going to not going to heal itself magically. You know, like the pain is there for a reason. Same with the diet. If you are eating a huge calorie deficit and your body is essentially starving and you feel lethargic all the time, you feel like crap all the time, you know, your sex hormones are all over the place, you know, you feel like shit. Just thinking you feel great isn't going to solve that, you know? So it can't be an either or argument, which is what I think a lot of people fall down into. Like people either just completely ignore all the psychology and you'll see like traditional, well, old school bodybuilders do this. It's like, oh, no pain, no gain. It's like, okay, that literally doesn't help at all. Like, if that's the case, then why don't you just smash yourself with a load of hammers and fucking now you get gained? Like, you just got pain. So it's like this whole thought process doesn't help people. And it it isn't an either-or argument. It's a both argument. You know, you have to take into account all of these things if you are looking to actually progress. Yeah, and and that's one of the things that annoys me so much about the sort of, like, camp mentality or like pendulum swing mentality in the fitness industry especially or not just not just the fitness industry but i mean if you look at if you look at physio like one of the things that that people will say is they'll say oh the the pain science crowd which isn't a thing they think you can just like think your way out of pain and it's like you're actually dumb like no literally no one said that like it's like you're we're just made like in this podcast we're just making the case that there's more to it things are more complicated and that's the thing people always want like real simple explanations for things you know and and like you were just talking about there about that about um your kind of beliefs or your beliefs and your expectations like there's there's plenty of research to show that someone's sense of self-efficacy like or their their negative expectations of recovery are predictive of the outcomes that that they actually get as it as it relates to pain um and rehabilitation but does that mean that it's just that thing? Like, oh yeah, I think I'm going to get better. You know, I've got a fracture, but I think I'm going to get better. And it's like, you, you ha- there's obviously more to it. So we have to think of it from that sort of multifactorial approach. And, you know, I was thinking, I was talking to one of my lecturers about this because um, it, provi- it kind of provides with a good counterpoint, but she was essentially saying that, um, you know, she, she, she had some pain recently and hurt her back. And basically she was worried. She was like, 
I wonder, am I developing chronic pain? And this is someone like who's very familiar with everything we just talked about, far more than us. But she was essentially making the point that, like, even though I know what I should be doing, what I should be thinking, like, I still feel like I'm kind of developing this chronic pain. Like, what's the story? <laughs> and that's that's kind of the point I really want to make clear is that there there's really far more to this than just one thing. And, and that's why we want to open up the conversation and that, like, your job as a personal trainer, like, or, or whatever you do, isn't just to provide specific protocols based on something you took from the research. It's also about considering, you know, right, what type of language am I using? And, you know, what what is the person or who is the person that I'm actually saying this to? Because different people are going to be going to have different, you know, responsiveness to, to different things that you say. And that is something that I think is very much an art that, like, I know I'm always trying to improve on as a coach because, like, you can't be perfect. Like, you're going to say some things to clients that are going to be, misinterpreted or misinterpreted or interpreted poorly because you can't exactly predict exactly how someone is going to interpret what you say um so so that's just something that's important because like that camp mentality is just really like frustrating to me because it's like it's like when people talk about is it is it the individual or is it just like like for example if we take something like diet like socioeconomic status and things related to like to that like big bigger picture stuff like where where you're from you know how much how much you make etc they're significant predictors of your actual you know outcome in terms of obesity and you know health etc however it doesn't mean that you just tell the person in front of you that actually there's actually no point in you trying to to do anything because we don't analyze this stuff at the individual level it's actually just where you're from and how much money you make and you know how close you live to a mcdonald's so i suppose you have to just keep that in mind because i actually find that people always do that where they're like they're either one extreme or the other it's like it's all about the individual and everything is discipline or it's all about the environment and everything is the environment it's like okay yeah the environment really important absolutely hugely important going to predict both things but it doesn't mean that if you're advising an individual a single individual that that doesn't change things and that's sort of like the whole discussion about the difference between like what you say to a client versus how you would design public health policy. Like they're going to be two very different things for very obvious reasons, but that doesn't always click with people. So it's important to zoom out, consider the bigger picture and you'll be able to think about things better. But that, that just stops you from having some be from being a certain camp, I guess. And people like being in camps, human like humans like being in tribes, like whether you're in the vegan Facebook group or the paleo Facebook group, facebook group or the keto facebook group it's kind of nice to know these people exactly like you however that's not generally not how you come to good conclusions about different topics so you sort of brought up the the point about um nutrition there and i think that's a really really important one because if we're thinking about the importance of words and it's not just the word it's it's the meaning it's your perception of of different of your your state of health or illness or whatever um if we're talking about all that sort of stuff, we also have to discuss, you know, there's a lot of specific things in nutrition that could potentially push push someone along the wrong path. Like I think one of the most prevalent ones um, is the discussion about gut health, because essentially what the discussion about gut health often does is brings a lot of benign symptoms to the forefront of someone's mind and makes them focus on them as pathological issues. So for example, if I go downstairs and I have a massive bowl of porridge, loads of fruit, a bit of broccoli on the side, I'm probably going to feel pretty bloated. I'm probably going to fart after. That's not a pathological thing. 
Like that is that is a normal response. And obviously, like it's beyond our scope to go into specific gastrointestinal conditions. That's something you should consult with a medical professional about. But it's an observation that I think we've made as it relates to the, the fitness industry as a whole in terms of moving, moving too quickly with things. Like if you're if you're like gut health is something that is it's worth a discussion. It's absolutely worth a discussion and it's worth looking at what are the biggest, you know, contributors to you, you know, having a healthy digestive system, healthy microbiome, etc. But it's not worth us trying to pathologize everything that everyone does and every sensory experience that someone has, because it essentially just builds this sort of hyper hyper vigilance that people end up living in, where if they experience any sort of bloating, they're like, oh, Jesus, it must be something in my diet. I need to change something immediately. I've got dysbiosis. I've got leaky gut or whatever. However, when it comes to actually making conclusions to give people specific advice, it's actually way more complicated than that. Because, I mean, if you're talking about specific sensations, then, I mean, you're going to want to consult with a medical professional to try and tease out, all right, does this actually fit some sort of pathology or is this just a fairly normal response and i mean then you have to consider like are the are the testing methods you know valid are they reliable etc etc so there's a lot more to this than just putting out a post on social media and telling everyone that they have dysbiosis because i think i think that's a problem personally because it essentially builds this sense of someone you know worrying about their health all of the time and worrying about very benign symptoms and thinking that they have problems which again opens up the scope for people to sell you their yeah, i agree with you and like, so, again like it's one of those problem, things man. like we said before it's like it's not like you just ignore these things and go ah, good health doesn't matter or you go into the camp of good health is all that matters you if you don't have yeah. perfect good health you're not absorbing your nutrients so you're gonna fucking die it's like well this is clearly false like this person is quite clearly overweight and you're saying their gut is shit right this is the thing i never get people will then go on we're going to improve your gut health and it's going to lead to better utilization of your food and it's like if if you change nothing in their diet calorie wise they would then get fatter by your theory you know like if you just improve their ability to take up nutrients because you've healed their gut that means they're going to take up more nutrients that means they're going to be further into a calorie surplus so it kind of fucks my brain but like i understand what they're actually talking about because what they actually say and then what they actually do are actually quite different things like they'll have people on you know a lowered calorie diet they'll have people on a more you know we'll say food appropriate diet like they're choosing better options again i put that in quotations because you know food is food um but there are better options available to you based on your actual ability to digest those foods etc so i i completely agree with you in this kind of nutrition sphere especially with the good health stuff people do tend to fall into those camps you know and again it just comes back to that tribalism overall and it's very you can see this as well a lot in the, the whole political sphere you know, people want to be in tribes, right? And it, I actually, I think it's actually one of the things that's really hard to delineate fully as an individual, how to get out of a tribal menta- me- mentality uh, around all of your beliefs, right? Because say you have in politics, very easy to do. You have left-wing beliefs and you have right-wing beliefs, right? But if someone who's on the left has a be- one belief just one right that is right wing all of a sudden they get cast out of their tribe 
right? And the same, same, same on the right. If you are on the right and you are in a tribe that, you know, again, has very right-wing beliefs and you have one left-wing belief, you're all of a sudden cast out of that tribe, you know? Now, it does happen a little bit more on the left purely because of the, the kind of social media culture that has the left has kind of facilitated in itself, you know, like literally you look at people make a, a comment and even though they're left-wing heroes or whatever, they make a comment, even if it was 10, 20 years ago, people find that comment and then go, Oh, this is triggering. Uh, and then all of a sudden they're, they're, they're cast out of it. Right. And that's the exact same thing that happens in nutrition, in lifestyle stuff, in, you know, the training stuff, all of this stuff, right. People want to fall into camps and it's a very hard thing to have a very balanced and nuanced approach because what people then say is again, with the political stuff, I'm a centrist, right. And I think centrists, whether it's nutrition, whether it's, you know, training, whether it's politics, I actually fucking hate centrists, right? And the reason is, the reason <laughs> is you either are two types of centrists. You are a centrist who sits on the fence over every topic, right? Like you sit on the fence so much, you have splinters in your ass, right? Like you don't make a decision either way. Like you have no nuanced opinion on something you just say yeah whatever like I'm, I'm a centrist i don't really go for that a belief and then you also don't go for the opposite belief right and then you have uh the other type of centrist and again like these are the type that you see a little bit more in the nutrition and training sphere right they essentially try to appease everyone right and the way i look at it with those people like imagine in your your politics you have the left-wing people saying we must eat this piece of shit right? We must, as a society, eat this piece of shit, right? And then you have the, the right-wing people saying, no, as a society, we're actually fucking refusing to eat this piece of shit, right? We're just not going to eat this piece of shit, right? The centrist then, who tries to appease both people, then goes, look, guys, I ate half the piece of shit, so let's all just be friends and carry on, you know? And it's like, that, that you literally, you did, like, that didn't help anyone, right? Like that, it's a terrible place to be at. But that unfortunately is where people kind of fall on the scale of the the overall, you know, choices they make. They either fall into, say, the left-wing camp and they have to go along with all the beliefs that go along with that. So again, like you're saying, like these pain people, you know, they they get characterized as saying like, you oh, you must believe all of these things that the pain people believe. And this is the same again, you know, like you, you talk to people that are vegans and they have a very nuanced, uh, intelligent approach to it. But unfortunately they get thrown into the same bracket as, or the same category as people like vegans that are literally, you know, complete anarchists. And they're just like, no, fuck this. If you eat, you know, baby cow growth fluid, you're a fucking terrible person, you know? And you're like, milk is murder and, and stuff like that. And it's like, you either get thrown in with them as well, even though your opinion isn't necessarily the same as theirs. And the same with like the, the other side of things, if you go on to the other thing where you're like, oh, I'm just a carnivore. It's like, you're just thrown in with the the the, the lunatics, the fringe of that as well. And the same with the, the, the middle positions, you know, you either have no opinion, which nobody likes when someone has no opinion, because it's like, do you just believe nothing? because that's what appears to everyone else. You have no thoughts on a topic. You have no beliefs on a topic. And then you have the other one where it's like, they try to appease both sides of the, 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 the kind of whatever dichotomous uh, sphere it is. And I, I think 
none of that serves anyone, whether it's politics, whether it's lifestyle, whether it's nutrition, whether it's psychology, whatever. I actually think that does serve people to the extent that you obviously have to get a nuanced opinion. And obviously, if you look at the extremes, you can see where a thought process goes when you take it either way. But I actually think the the, the goal should be to look at things objectively and decide your own truth truths about that you know and you should be able to kind of look at things more objectively like again with the pain stuff look at it try to take the emotion out of it try to see where your beliefs are around that whether it's the words that affected you whether it's the the psychosocial stuff that affected you same with the nutrition you know why did you find a lower carb diet was better for you the last time you dieted you know was it because the other times when you tried a higher carb diet you weren't in the right place mentally you had these events that came up that triggered you know emotions that you have from the past that led you to overeat etc etc so you actually have to step back which is extremely hard to do and not be in the moment which is something that again people are actually terrible at doing as well according to social media i don't know where else they are because they're not planning for the future and they're not thinking about the past but apparently they're not in the moment as well um so you know you have to stop being reactionary and kind of just take a step back and then be proactive in your your, your approach to your nutrition lifestyle health whatever else but i i think and it's unfortunate again like you're saying with the, the tribalism that a more nuanced discussion isn't actually possible, you know, in the current paradigm we have where people love to fall in tribes. Because, for example, if you say you are have a certain belief that is traditionally right wing, but then you have certain left wing beliefs as well, like you get cast out from that right wing, you know, group, that category. So now you're not a centrist because you don't have those same beliefs that I was saying either centrists are, but you have some left-wing beliefs, you know? And unfortunately, whether it's politics, nutrition, whatever, you're not actually allowed to fall into, or you don't fall into a camp then because no one else potentially has the same beliefs as you, you know? So it's a strange place to be in, which I think makes the overall discussion really hard to, to have. You know, because you essentially don't have the the tribe to fall back on in terms of you don't have those tribal beliefs to fall back on. You know, does that make sense, Gary? Yeah, and I think the only thing I'd probably add is probably about the point related to the centrists. Like, I think that's often like where like you can be a, a sort of dynamic centrist because I think I think the point you're making is that like if you are in the center, and I'm not talking about politics here, I'm talking about in general. Like, if you are in the center, you're on that midline, you're on the fence. I think like the important point is that when a specific, like you can sit there, but when a specific question comes up, you're going to move in one direction because you have the ability to critically think and make a decision. However, what you're saying is when, when it's negative is when the person's kind of sitting on the fence and they're just saying, either it doesn't matter or I don't care or, oh, there's no right answer as opposed to actually going and seeking out the truth, because the truth is somewhere like to, to, to some degree, once you define the context specifically enough, whether that's on the left or the right, you know, what, if you actually define your question enough and you define your means of investigation enough, then you can come to some sort of conclusion, whether that be left or right. And that's essentially where science comes in. And essentially the point that we are trying to make is that you don't, you don't need to have a team and you can essentially use a sort of scientific or analytical thought process to try and move yourself in either direction based on the specific question so that's 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 a a really nice way to sort of round up the things that we have discussed because what we are not saying is that yep pain doesn't matter it's in your head 
or what we're not saying is that, you know, gut health, not a thing, <laughs> like, but rather we are saying, all right, you need to, you know, think of yourself as an individual with your individual symptoms, experience, etc. And you need to either make that decision or let the decision be made for you. So for example, if so, like if someone goes to their physiotherapist and they've, you know, got a, they've got a, a case of chronic nonspecific low back pain versus an acute fracture, like we touched on earlier, that gives that person the context to be able to move off the fence and move in a certain direction, recognizing that the components or the inputs that have led to those two presentations are very different. So that person is neither a pain science person, whatever that means, or a, I don't know, biomechanics tissue damage person, whatever that means, you know, so they're, they're not just on one side, they're able to think on their feet. And it's the same with the gut health thing. It's like, if you, if you realize, if you have bloating, you know, you, you get a little bit full after every meal, like that's very different to someone who gets, you know, quite a lot of, of pain, which again is psycho biopsychosocially influenced. They get a lot of pain after each meal. You know, they find that they've got, I don't know, diarrhea and they've got like severe symptoms related to their digestion in some way. They're very different things. And once that context is provided to a gastroenterologist, not an Instagram gut health guru, then they can go and make a decision on their feet. So that's essentially where science and an analytical thought process and critical thinking comes in to take you off of the fence and move you in some sort of direction. But you don't want to be stuck to either side because it's it's very unlikely that there's going to be that that, that the, the right wing or the left wing applied to any area of life is going to be right on every single question. It's just very unlikely. I agree, Gary. And I think that's the, the message you should take away from this in, in the overall context. It is question everything. And like, I know everyone says that, but they actually don't mean that because like, you see people, I actually hate social media. This is why I just don't go on it. Um, you see people going like, oh, like question us, like oh, question everything. And then when you see people actually question them, they all of a sudden just completely shut up and, you know, go shut down the conversation. Don't actually provide an argument to their actual thought process. They'll just be like, nah, nah, you're actually wrong there, mate. And it's like, well, okay, can you enlighten me as to where I'm wrong? Oh, no, you have to go do your own research, man. It's like, wait, what the fuck? Like, you know, this this makes no no sense. Like, you can't just say question everything, and then when you receive a question, you don't get an answer, you know? Like, that, that that's fine. You know, again, like, I actually believe that people can fucking, if they're selling something or whatever, like, they're, they're entitled to do that whatever fucking way they want. And if that's the way they want to run their business or if that's the way they want to run their Instagram, social medias, whatever the fuck, cool that's no one's problem you know but i just think the whole discourse in, in modern day whether it's again nutrition politics philosophy fucking whatever else it is people have gotten too much into this whole tribalism and unfortunately the traditional kind of centrist approaches do kind of tend to be people sitting on the fence and never making a decision or someone sitting on the fence and then trying to appease both sides rather than again, like what you're suggesting, which is again, what I think people should do with, with all their, all, all their stuff, whether it means they have again, just on that arbitrary right or left beliefs, you know, it's like, you should be able to look at something, critically evaluate its merit, critically evaluate the question as a whole. Maybe you need clarification as to the question as a lot of questions are actually posed without context. And, you know, maybe something is a very nuanced 
answer, you know, that, that essentially leaves you at the center because you've got some right beliefs and you've got some left beliefs. And when you add them all together, yes, you're a centrist, but that's completely different than someone who just goes, yeah, I have no beliefs or completely different than someone that just goes, yeah, let's do both. You know, it's like, that's, that doesn't help the overall conversation, you know? And again, tribalism has its, has its, has its uh, merits, you know, because again, like you can just take a step back and be like, oh yeah, I'm part of this tribe that has these beliefs. And that does, again, like we're saying, give you a certain ability to move forward with things. Like, again, like just talking about like magical words. If, if you find you've had uh, trouble losing weight your whole life, and then suddenly you find this guru on Instagram and he's like, oh, do you have fatigue? Do you have, uh, you know, uh, smelly farts? Do you have fucking whatever? And then he convinces you that it's all down to your gut, right? And you completely buy into that. You completely buy into, yeah, fuck, actually, my gut has always been fucked. It's always been whatever, right? And then you make the changes that they're suggesting. Maybe you buy the products that they're, they're, they're selling and it helps you. Of course, you're going to go further down that rabbit hole. But again, like we're saying, like the, the words are magical in terms of all, all that really changed there was they got you to buy into a process. You know, they got you to have a certain belief around a topic and that allowed you to move forward, make choices and make decisions that, you know, allowed you to actually accomplish your overall goal. That doesn't actually mean that you had good problems you know maybe you did but maybe you just had poor relationship with food and the way they were going about achieving a better relationship with food was what you needed you know so again words are fucking magic even though again magic in this society or the modern context has got this different Mm -hmm. connotation than perhaps i wasn't around at the time but perhaps what they initially meant when they were talking about it in you know these these mythologies or religions or whatever Yep. And finally, I think the other, the, the only other thing to touch on is that, you know, with these topics, like, I think one of the reasons that they get so polarized is because one, people love a very clear logical explanation. And two, kind of related, people don't like uncertainty or that kind of risk of being wrong. So they'd kind of rather just put 100% on one thing that seems really logical, as opposed to think it through and have to say to someone, you know, I'm actually not really sure. I think um, I think it might be this, but I'd need to kind of think about it a bit more, especially in a personal training context, because there is that sort of pressure, I think, with, with social media, especially where people feel that they need to know everything and have an answer to every question, especially if you look at things like Instagram Q&As and stuff like that, where you'll be asked a, a variety of questions that are very often, a lot of them could be on can be beyond someone's scope of practice and knowledge and they essentially just feel that they need to give an answer however over the long run people will probably respect you more if you're actually just you know talk about the things that you know about and sort of make it clear when you are uncertain about things and i think that's a lesson that you definitely learn over time but i suppose that's just a, a good piece of advice to take away is that if you are like you you don't just listen to a podcast including our podcast and go away thinking that you can put everything into practice immediately because you still have to question and to think about it and to consider like what the application is in the specific context of your client or yourself um so get get comfortable with that sort of uncertainty and you'll definitely be a better thinker 
Yeah, anyway, that is, I think, an hour and 10 minutes or so there, Gary. So we're going to wrap it up because I'm actually fucking starving. Uh, do you have anything else to say to these beautiful, lovely people, um, considering it's, I think it's a, a week or so till Christmas? Enjoy your Christmas. <laughs> That's about well, we'll it. We'll be talking to them again because we'll be recording yeah. another podcast this weekend. But... Yeah. And re-listen to our podcast about the whole Christmas thing from two weeks ago if you didn't listen to that because it might help those of you who are stressing out. You're like, oh, do I train Christmas Day? Do I fast? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, that's very fair. Um, yeah, I have nothing else to add except it is too easy. And that's a magic incantation I've just fucking cast on you. So you're all <laughs> going to have a too easy life. <laughs> too easy. Right. That is it, guys. Peace out.